good. Anna, how are you? Good. I'm excited because we have a guest today. We are hosting Susan Martinez. Hi! (laughs) That's right. Susan is a NASA Operation Controls Engineer. Beyond that, she promotes fashion, fitness, NASA, and all things space through her Instagram account, AdAstraSU. That's me. <laughs> it took me like a intensely long time to realize that it was Ad Astra Sue being like that your name is Susan. It is. It took me too long to figure that out. It's okay. I did another podcast recording and they were like, okay, so Ad Astra and then like Sue, like short for Susan. I was like, yeah, like <laughs> what the heck? Like, of <laughs> course it's short for Susan. Like, Susan, do you actually go by Sue? Like, is that a nickname? Yeah, Sue or Susie, usually. Um, Only my mother or my husband calls me Susan when they're mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we won't do that. Or my twin. She calls me Susan when when she's mad at me, but that's it. Oh, yeah, I saw that on an Instagram account that you have a twin. That's cool. She is awesome, and she also is an engineer. She's working for Amazon, doing cool stuff. She used to be a NASA engineer and then a Disney Imagineer. Like, she's got a cool repertoire, yeah. She's just hitting all the big ones. That's awesome. Powerhouse sisters. (laughs) I know. All right. So as per standard, Hen and I usually start this out just chatting. So we hope you'll join us in just chatting. Of course. To begin with, Hannah, what'd you do this weekend? Okay. This weekend on Saturday, I went tubing for the first time in my life ever. That's so fun. What took you so long to go tubing? And I don't know. It was quite an experience. I was promised a very chill river ride where I could just hang out, have a tasty sparkling water, mm-hmm. and just look at the pretty trees. Deception. <laughs> yeah, we tie seven floats together. And for those of you who don't know, tubing is literally you just grab a couple floats with your friends, and you float down the river. You can bring a waterproof boombox, play some music, you can bring drinks, snacks. And it's just like a good relaxing time, and it's a great way to get away from the heat. And this weekend, Anne and I both experienced very high temperatures (laughs) where we live. Oh, it's so hot. We go tubing, and we tie these seven floats together. And within five minutes, we hit our first set of rapids, and floats just go flying off. And it's just ridiculous. No! And we had like a box of cookies in one of the floats that I was in. Did you lose the cookies? We lost the cookies, Anna. <laughs> no. That's so sad. Anna understands how devastating this is because she understands my sweet tooth. Only one casualty. Were they from Trader Joe's? <gasps> they were just like standard grocery store cookies. Oh, okay. Thank God. That would be double said. Don't get me started on Trader Joe's. I love Trader Joe's. It is my favorite store. Uh, it's amazing. I love it so much. What's your favorite <laughs> Trader Joe's snack? Um, Jojo Slims. I could eat an entire box in a single sitting. Or or the Scandinavian swimmers, the sour ones. Or the rocket crackers. You guys know they have like cheese crackers shaped like rockets. Those are delicious. We are very familiar with the rocket crackers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I figured you guys would be. But yeah, the, the sour Scandinavian swimmers. Chef's kiss. Amazing. I didn't know they made sour ones. My favorite are the... Oh my god, there's so many options. But they have these truffle potato chips that I have talked about before. Yes! Oh my gosh, Anna, I love those. I cannot purchase them because I only think about eating these chips. Like, it's like, <laughs> like if they're in my home, I can't think about anything else. So I can't buy them. That's me with Jodo Slims. And we don't even have a Trader Joe's where I live. The closest one is an hour and a half, either north or south. What a tragedy. It is horrible. We're getting one, though. In the Oh. Then it's game over. I will shop nowhere else but Trader Joe's. But my husband and I would take our Yeti and go either north or south to the Trader Joe's and just buy a bunch of frozen Indian food and, like, as many boxes of Jojo Slims as I could carry in my arms. So good. And then in, like, two weeks, we'd do it again because <laughs> we'd be out of food. I don't blame you. Their stuff is so good. It's so good. <laughs> no, what's your favorite? Oh, my gosh. I just love – okay, so I love the frozen foods, but I'd have to yes. say they have these chocolate-covered pretzel thins – Those are just absolutely delicious. I love them so much. And the truffle chips. Like, those are also, those are Uh, my top two go-to snacks. I haven't had the chocolate-covered pretzel thins, but I will have to check it out. I have not had those either. I would love to try them, though. Oh, my gosh. That sounds incredible. They're so good. Or, like, the chocolate-covered or or the chocolate-covered JoJo's. Oh, my God. When they have those around Christmas time. Those are amazing. So decadent. Yes. You guys are making me want to go to Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> the 
this is just going to be an hour of a Trader Joe's fan Trader podcast. Joe's podcast. Just kidding. It's but it is Trader Joe's. <laughs> if only. What did you do this weekend? My husband and I love to hike. We usually hike on Saturdays because we work during the week. <laughs> um, yeah, we're familiar with that. <laughs> yeah, you know that thing that you have to do to live. <laughs> So we we hike on Saturdays, literally almost every Saturday, and we get up at six o'clock in the morning because oh by the time it's seven o'clock where we live, it's eighty degrees already, which y'all are experiencing right now. But I mean, it's eight o'clock here, eight p.m., and it's still eighty-five degrees outside. Like it is hot here, and it's also super humid. So we try to get up and go really, really early. And we usually hike between four and six miles. That's pretty good. On Saturday mornings, and then sometimes if we're really feeling it, we'll go on Sunday too, but yeah. And then we went to a soccer game. We love soccer. The Nashville Soccer Club, we're, we're season ticket holders, so we go every chance we get. Very cool. Have you been watching the European Cup? Oh my gosh, I've been watching three soccer games a day for the last two <laughs> weeks. My husband is literally in there watching the Argentina game like right now. We were watching Hell's Kitchen and then he like brought it up on his phone. I was like, can you not watch one thing at a time? Like just one. <laughs> Who are you rooting for? I was rooting for France, but oh. that was a big upset today. But um, I don't really care too much. That's fair. But I really like to root for the Nashville MLS club. Like, I think that's super fun. Yeah. That's so cool. That sounds like a blast. I follow the European Cup simply because I have family in Denmark. So I follow the European Cup. Oh, wow. I, I saw the Denmark games, too. They're actually doing really good. They're doing really yeah. good this year, which is very exciting for all of Denmark. Did you watch the game where Ericsson collapsed? No, I didn't. It was horrible. We were watching. I was crying. Like, it was just... It was so sad. Really sad. But he's fine. He's fine now. <laughs> yeah, thank God. He's okay. He made it. I don't know if he'll play soccer again, which is so sad. But he's alive, which is uh, in honestly the most important That's thing. That's the best outcome, honestly. Truly. And so then they came back and they beat Wales 4-0, to zero, which was incredible after, I mean, I could only imagine seeing anybody go through that must have been horrible in person. So they're doing really well, which is actually yeah. really exciting. They are doing great. <laughs> I like going to live sports because I like the snacks, if we're, if we're being 100% honest. Yes. Yes, I told my husband, I was like, you know, I really love, like, rooting for the team and, you know, the chants, and it's so fun, and the merch. I love the merch. But I was like, I'm here for the hot dogs and the popcorn and snacks. Like, that's what I'm here for. Sorry. Love the snacks. I'm with you. Anna, how was your weekend? (laughs) So I was visiting my parents. I got back yesterday. And we went to go see this movie. It's called The Sparks Brothers. It's by Edgar Wright, who's normally a comedy director. But it's about this, I don't know what to call them, duo group. It's kind of, they sometimes have a band, they sometimes don't. But the two core members are these two brothers. And they are a group called Sparks. And they have been around since the 60s and put out an incredible number of songs. I had never heard any of them. I've never heard of them. Neither had my parents. About halfway through the documentary, we all had the same thought of like, is this a real band or is this some kind of weird performance art piece to like show you this whole thing and then be like, just kidding, they're not real. Me, my mom and my dad, nobody had heard any of these songs. They have 21 albums, hadn't heard a single song. And so it was actually a really interesting documentary and I've been listening to them ever since. And their songs are pretty catchy. They seem like interesting guys. So I would recommend. Do you have a favorite song? Oh, man. Well, I'm new to them, so it may change. But my current favorite is Wonder Girl. Yeah, that's spot on. It's your favorite, too. Yeah, I- I'm, I'm going to look that up after this. That's awesome. They did an album. <laughs> they did a collaboration with Franz Ferdinand, which I also somehow missed. Okay. <laughs> I would recommend. And I bought an air fryer, so that's oh my weekend. Oh, my gosh. I love my air fryer. That's awesome. Okay, back to Trader Joe's for a moment. The They have chicken tikka samosas. That you can buy frozen? I've never had those. Put those in the air fryer. I bet that's good. Well, I bought it because I was like, I'm not going to be able to turn my oven on in this heat. Oh, that's a good point. Prime day got me. (laughs) (laughs) It gets you every time. All right. Are you ready to get into this thing? Yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. With our very special edition of the introduction, I'm Anna. I'm Henna. I'm Susan. And this is... But But it it is is Rocket Science. Science. 
Nice. You nailed it. Awesome. Hannah, you want to start us off with the questions? Yes, I'd love to. All right, Sue. Our very first question for you is, we'd love it if you could provide a brief description of your journey that brought you to work at NASA. Yes, absolutely. So I started as an intern actually in 2016, which is a way that a lot of people start their journey at NASA. The internship program that NASA provides is amazing and it's all over the country. And they have 11 different centers all over the United States that they offer internships at. And I was a summer intern, which is a 10-week program. So I just took the summer off of working and went down to NASA for 10 weeks. And it was the best summer of my life. It changed my life. It was amazing. And then after my summer internship, I got what's called a Pathways, which is basically a co-op. At that time when you're a co-op, you are part-time, full-time. So basically, you're considered a full-time person while you're working, and then you go on leave without pay while you're at school, back at school, basically. And then you just work however many weeks they require of you for the program you're in, because the bachelor's program and the master's program and the PhD program all require different weeks of working to qualify for what's called a full-time conversion. So I worked, I think mine was like, like 33 weeks or something like that for an undergraduate. Oh, that's not too bad. It wasn't bad. I did it in two summers and a semester, and I didn't really need to take the semester off. I just really, really needed to. By the time I finished my co-ops, I was graduating in May of 2019 with my bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering, and then I got married, and then I went on a month-long honeymoon, which was awesome, and then I started at NASA full-time July 2019. So I'm coming up on two years full-time in about a week, which is pretty cool. But I've been around NASA, you know, for a little while. It's been around five years, which is insane. That's amazing. I still can't believe it. (laughs) I really can't believe it. I started when I was an intern at 19 years old. Oh my God. And it'll be five years this year, which is just crazy to me. What was the name of the intern program you did? So I actually worked in a program called the Centennial Challenges Program. (laughs) That sounds so fancy. (laughs) Right. it's, It's very fancy. What's so great about this program is that it actually employs the help of the people. Anyone can apply for this program. You don't have to be a U.S. citizen. You don't have to even be an engineer of any kind. All the challenges are unique. The current astronaut glove that they use on the EVA suits and on the ISS was actually designed by a seamstress within the United States that applied to the Centennial Challenges program with their design and it won and NASA bought the patent from them and then we were starting to produce them. So they got a prize, they got the patent and like the money from NASA as well. And then we produced their glove. Oh, that's so cool. All the challenges are pretty similar to that in different aspects. Um, All of them are involving teams or individuals and then they put their design in or they put their writing in, whatever the challenge requires. And then they have a judging session. Maybe they have multiple tiers of the same challenge. We had a cube satellite challenge that went on for like nine years oh, wow. of like different challenges. And ultimately, at the end, the winners of that challenge got their cube satellite payload on the first launch of the SLS coming up in November. Oh, that's cool. That's amazing. So like some of the prizes are like big deal stuff. The one that I actually worked on was a 3D printed habitat challenge. The first session of it was just, what do you think a habitat on Mars or the moon looks like? So it was just a design challenge. And the second one was actually taking concrete and 3D printing a building and going to a cat facility and having one of their backhoes smash it to see if they could break it. Oh, wow. A complete like engineering challenge. And it was so cool. I got I didn't get to go to it because I was still I was back in school, but I saw the videos from it and I was like, oh, that's what I worked on. Like that's so cool. So yeah, my internship was really, really cool. And it was in 3D printing in a way. Cause I didn't do the engineering side of it because I wasn't a participant, but I was like writing the rules, writing the challenge, and like setting it up for these people to be able to achieve the goal of this challenge, which led me to getting my co-op in 3D printing, additive manufacturing. So I worked metal and plastic additive manufacturing for one and a half years as a co-op and then two years full-time. I just switched to my new job like 
a month. I've been in it for a month. So. Oh, wow. Yes. I stalked your LinkedIn. So I know. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It looks like you had a little bit of a different path into engineering. You transferred colleges in the middle? Yeah. So I started at a community college and I cannot tell you enough how much of a blessing starting in my community college was like if I had not started in my community college I probably wouldn't even have a college degree much less be working for NASA like I would not have made it community college is great for so many reasons absolutely yeah so I actually I knew I wanted to be an engineer I just couldn't afford to go to college oh yeah college is incredibly expensive so I went to a community college and I took all the way I took up until differential equations. I took differential equations at my community college and physics one and physics two and like all of my prereqs. And I ended up with an associates in science there, which when I transferred to my university, I didn't have to take any of their required because I had already had a degree, which was awesome, like awesome, awesome. But I went to my NASA internship after my two years at community college. I graduated and then I went to NASA and I had applied for this competitive transfer scholarship. Like I said, I couldn't afford to go to college. It's really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was so much. So I had applied for this competitive transfer scholarship from my community college to the university I was planning on going to. And I went to NASA not knowing if I was going to be able to continue college or not. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Might as well do this now because I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to school in the fall. Because I didn't have a way to pay for it. I was doing the coolest thing in the world, folding solar sails with one of my absolute NASA legend idols, Les Johnson. Oh my god. Who is an author and like this amazing subject matter expert. Like he is amazing. Yeah. And he also happens to be from my hometown, which I did not know until after I met him. So that was also crazy. I'm folding solar sails. I'm like gloves on. I don't know if you guys have ever touched a solar seal or not, but it is so delicate and so finicky. Like just plastic gloves would stick to it. Oh my gosh. And like rip it. Like it was so, so detailed. And my twin sister had called me and I didn't have my phone on me because I was folding a solar sail. She called me 40 times and I was like, oh my God, what is going on? And like one of my other intern friends drove to the building I was in and was like, your sister called me and I was like, how'd she even get your number? Like, what the heck? And it was because we had gotten the scholarship. Both of you? We both got the scholarship, which apparently had never happened before. That's amazing. And we both went on to go to the University of Kentucky and finish our mechanical engineering degrees because of that scholarship. Wow. It was really cool. (laughs) What a great story that was. What a great story. I mean, it's sad. This has to be a great story. Like, it's sad that education is so expensive here. Yeah. But I'm so happy for you. Like, I'm so glad that this is a part of your journey. I was like, it has to have a good ending because you're here (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, I'm working here now, but that was a day I'll never forget. It was awesome. That's amazing. To interrupt this lovely moment with a second of self-promotion, we did an episode about solar sails. It's episode 24. That's right. Did you really? It's episode 24. So do you guys know who Les Johnson is? Yeah. That's right. Well, we haven't met him. He wrote like an amazing book on solar sails. It's literally like actually explaining how they work and what they are. Okay. The name of his books is Solar Sails, A Novel Approach to Interplanetary Travel. We will link it in the show notes for this episode, if anybody is curious. Another thing is he also writes fiction books, and Mission Mode is one of my favorite space books of all time. He signed my copy for me. I didn't know he wrote science fiction. He and uh, Ben Bova write books together a lot, and Mission Mode is absolutely my favorite. Or Rescue Mode. It's Rescue Mode. Sue, when you said solar sails are so delicate, I remembered a fact from that episode, Anna, where we talked about how a solar sail is a tenth of the thickness of a strand of human hair. Yes. When you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine holding one. Like, that must have been phenomenal. It was amazing. And I didn't even know what it was. I came into my NASA internship with four semesters of calculus under my belt and no space knowledge at all. And I was like, I've always loved space, been interested in space. I'm going to apply to a NASA internship, you know, thinking that I would not get it. Another day I'll never forget when I got my email that I had gotten it. I actually emailed the intern coordinator back and asked if it was a mistake. Oh my god. 
Oh my gosh. She's like, wow, this is not a response I've ever gotten, but no, it is not a mistake. You were selected for an internship. And I was like, what is happening in my life right now? You know what I love, Sue, is like what you just said is that I wasn't aware of space, like know much about space. And I went and applied for this. And and I think it's so amazing what you're doing right now is like influencing so many people out there, making space relatable, making it personable. For those of you who don't know, Sue is like very influential on Instagram and various other social media accounts. And I just think it's so cool that you're doing that, like you're doing the legwork of putting space out there and making it more accessible and not as intimidating. Yeah, um, that's actually like one of the reasons why I even started my Instagram account at all is because I have, you know, I've experienced all these things and I've gone through all of this as a woman in STEM, as a woman in engineering, as a woman at NASA. I see other women at NASA here that I can look up to. People who were like me that didn't even know another woman engineer, I didn't even have that. I didn't have any woman engineer that I could go to and like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. And that was like the whole idea behind starting my account. I try to talk to like the schools where I'm from. And I just really want to like show that even though I'm from a small town, poor family, like you can still do this. I didn't get lucky. Like I worked really hard for this and it's not going to come easy, but it's possible. There are so many women, you see them when they're young. They're like, well, I don't think I'm smart enough to go into STEM. And I think it's so important for them to see other women. Like, you also talk about fashion a lot on your account, which is really cool. Yeah, I love that. We have lots of clothes. You need to see our closets. It's a circus and we love it. I am with you guys. You said that Prime Day got you. I bought another purse rack. I wish I could turn my computer around right now, like stacked on each other. And I looked at my husband. I was like, I need another purse rack. And he was like, <laughs> why? And I was like, because I got too many purses. I have so much clothing. However, I will throw my twin sister under the bus for this one just a little bit. I've never met somebody that has more clothes than my twin sister, which is great for me because I can steal stuff from her closet, right? But yeah. Oh my gosh. I went and visited them last weekend and I was I looked at her. I was like, oh my gosh, how do you have this much stuff? She's like, I don't know. It just piles up. I'm like, oh my gosh. I was really proud of myself. I did a really big clean out because I'm really bad about my summer stuff. Oh, I need to do that. I hold on to it because a lot of my winter stuff I can also wear into the office. My summer stuff, I can't also wear that into the office. And so I hold on to it. I'm like, well, I'll wear it next year. I'll wear it next year. I'll wear it next year. And all of a sudden it's been five years and I've never worn it next year. Finally went through and purged a bunch of my summer stuff. I was pretty proud. I wanted to be that person that like turns all their hangers around. And like, if you don't wear it in the year, like you throw it out. And then I was like, oh, but like, I just didn't have an occasion to wear it. Like, I, there's always an excuse <laughs> as to why I need to keep whatever that was. <laughs> but Hannah and I have small apartments. So we have the disadvantage of being forced to clean out our closets more regularly. Exactly. When I met Anna for the first time at work, I was so excited because she also, you know, likes fashion, like she said, and enjoys the makeup. And I just felt so comfortable, like in my own skin around her. Hannah, I feel the same way about you. <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel like I've said this before. But like, just going back to the point, you know, like seeing other people that you can resonate with that your soul yes. just feels comforted around. You don't see that very much in engineering yet. Like the number of women is growing. The diversity is growing. But you just need to see that just to feel more comfortable. And when you feel more comfortable, that does affect your productivity. Absolutely. I agree 100%. It's just nice. And don't get us wrong. Every woman is different. And I think that is so awesome. If you like makeup, that's awesome. If you like fashion, that's awesome. If you don't, that's still awesome. Completely. Back to the actual space questions. You did additive manufacturing, but you are currently an operations control engineer. Can you talk about whatever one you would like to talk about or both? So I'll do a quick overview of additive because I could talk about it forever. Basically, additive for NASA's use at least is for the RS-25 engines. We do metal 3D printing for parts for them and the life support system that works on the ISS. And we also do wind tunnel testing and small fit check parts, just anything that you could need within NASA. They would just send us their parts. We would put them in the machine and then we'd let it do its thing. And then we pull it out, 
he'd treat it, pull it off the plate, and then we would give it to him and then they would say yes or no, whatever. So I worked with metal additive manufacturing, which is called selective laser centering. It's basically a sandbox with spherical metal powder. The powder is so thin that it is about 40 microns, which is half the width of a human hair. Like it is tiny, like so tiny. And so you'd take what's effectively a windshield wiper and sweep a super, super, super thin layer over this solid metal plate. And then you would take the G code that we fed from the actual part and then you would print it. So this is something that we printed. This is just this NASA meatball. How did you get it in color? So this is an FDM printer, this is plastic. So this is blue and white and red, and this was basic extrusion printing, like like a maker bot, like normal desktop printing, but it's made in a machine that's like the size of a bedroom. It's massive. We will put some videos in the show notes. If you have never seen a plastic 3D printer or a metal 3D printer, they're really cool. The videos are truly mesmerizing. Yeah, they're awesome. Also, metal 3D printing has come so far in the last couple of years. Yeah, in the last few years, we have some really, really cool stuff. My lab did some research and development for powder parameters for the public. Basically, we would develop a powder to 99, 100% density and then release the parameters so that anyone could use it if they could get their hands on the powder, basically. And we like That's cool. Everything that we did was public knowledge, which is also super cool, which means I can talk about it. And we actually printed fully dense tungsten, which is honestly one of the coolest things that I think that we did in my lab when I was there. That's so cool. Yeah, it was super cool. For my knowledge of metal 3D printing, which is very minimum, it's like really crazy because like the direction you print can affect the properties of the metal. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And how you arrange it on the plate in direction to the blade or not, it's not really a blade. It's like a, it's like a windshield wiper with like a little plastic edge that can affect it. And you can also, if the blade is too tense or if you don't do it evenly, it can mess up your build. There's so many complications. If your gas flow isn't working correctly, even if it's off by like a little bit, it can completely ruin your build. There's so many things that you have to take in consideration when you're doing metal printing, which you don't really have to do when you're doing plastic printing, but metal printing is honestly a beast of its own. But then the other thing is like the particles are so tiny that you actually have to be careful. Like you can't carry the parts into clean rooms. Yeah, we do not put them in clean rooms until they are completely, we have to put them in like a chamber and it has air. So we have to blow the parts out and then we'll cut off the plate and then we'll do it again because they can still hold powder in the parts. But all of the powder is recycled. So everything that doesn't get actually hit by the laser gets recycled. We try and dump it out as good as we can. And then when we cut it off the plate, then we blast it with air so that we can get it all out. That's fantastic. I didn't realize just how fine those particles are. Like when you're like, oh, can't you tell if it's clean? They're so small. Like you you can't just see it with your eye. No. <laughs> You can literally like wipe it off like a wet wipe or something. This is printed myself a uh, Order of the Engineer ring. This is NASA on it. I don't know if you can see it or not. Cool. That's way cooler than mine. This is one of my first prints. I wore it a lot and then I would like take it off and I'd have like metal like on my finger. Oh, because it was coming off on your finger. Because I didn't clean it well enough. Anyway. That's so cool. When I first got my Order of the Engineer ring, it was too big because I ordered the wrong size. And then I dropped it in the trash can in the bathroom. Oh, no. And I had to dig for it because I didn't realize you could just order replacements online. Like, I thought that was my only one. Oh, my gosh. I actually, I had ordered mine. And then my friend was like, I ordered the wrong size. I was like, you can have mine. Like, I have this one. Like, (laughs) Yours is way cooler than mine. That's really cool. So I also worked in in in-space manufacturing as a project within additive manufacturing, which is kind of sort of how I'm in my job now. This is actually printed on the ISS. That's so cool. This is one of the wrenches that they printed on the added manufacturing facility, and it's still on the ISS. So I was working on a project to get metal 3D printers in space, which is super cool, and they're still working on it, which is awesome. I am now working on the other side in within the ISS, working as an operations controller. I don't talk to the astronauts, that's the PACOM's job, but I help the astronauts do their science. That's really awesome. Any kind of procedure that they need to do, anything, literally anything, like it is just really 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 cool and i really love it 
and there's a year of training, so I'm only like a month into my year of training. That's okay. It's kind of like drinking from a fire hose right now, and I am drowning, but it's okay. But you're going to come out on the other end. We'll get there. We'll get there. (laughs) Yeah, our careers are a journey. Yes. Over time, the intuition will build. You'll get there. Every time I start a new job or I change positions, there's this period of time where I get serious imposter syndrome and I'm like, I can't do this. Yes. I don't know what I'm doing. It's just panic all of the time. It's real. Yeah. And then I always have to remind myself to be like, well, how many times have you felt like this before and you have overcome it? Like you will do it again. All the time. (laughs) Right. But it's like, I have to like say the affirmations in the morning to be like, you've done it before. You can do it this time. That's awesome. I should start doing that. I recommend (laughs) Absolutely. The affirmations really help. And it's so important to have that growth mindset, like knowing that over time, you're going to be building your knowledge base even more. It takes time. And, you know, we usually look at people around us that have 10, 20 years of experience on us and immediately think that we can't accomplish something. Why am I not like that? Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, why don't I know all that stuff? And it's like, well, he should know more than me. He's worked at this company (laughs) for my whole lifetime. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I I have such a serious problem with that where I look around and I'm like, oh, wait, why don't I know this already? I am not a procrastinator. I'm not either. So knowing that I have a year of training just sends me off the edge. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have a year But I should know all this stuff before then because I have to do all this stuff. I just get in my own head. These people who have done this and trained hundreds of people say it's going to take a year. Why do I think I can get it done faster? Because I don't want to procrastinate. You know, like it just, the cogs don't make any sense, but that's how they roll. How did you go from your internship? You did your internship and then you did the Pathways program. Did you go right from Pathways to your additive manufacturing position? My Pathways position was actually in additive manufacturing. Like I worked in the same group. That's how the Pathways program used to work. It doesn't really work like that anymore. They have rotational Pathway groups. Where I did it, I worked in a single group for the entire time I was at Pathways and then they hire you at the end. Uh, which is how I got my job. But now the way that they do the pathways is they hire way more pathways than they need to. And they only have a certain amount of jobs. Each pathways has to do three rotations into different groups. And if that group likes you, then they extend you an offer. But if you don't get one, then you just don't get one. I feel really lucky that I got in the group that got a guaranteed job at the end. But I've had some friends that made it through the other way and they got jobs. Well, I'm happy it worked out. Yeah, me too. Can you tell us about what inspired you to switch from additive manufacturing to being an operations control engineer? I had really been looking into operations control when I was doing my rotation. So after you become full-time at NASA, they make you do something called the professional intern program, which is basically you doing rotations into other groups just to see what you like and make sure that what you're doing is what you really want to do. Because something that I really love about working at NASA is that they really, really care about their employee happiness. Like they want you to be as productive as you can be, which means that you're working in the group that's utilizing your skills the best. So I had looked into doing a rotation there for some reason or another, my rotations got short and I didn't get to take it. So I was really bummed about that. I had also been working with the ISS office through in-space manufacturing while we were trying to put the new machines on the ISS. So I was like, hey, it seems to be a lot of like <laughs> familiarity in this area and a lot of like traction for me here. And I was just like, oh, you know, I think I want to look into this. So I like reached out and they were like, oh yeah, let's do an interview, you know? And then I did interviews and they're like, we'd love to have you. And I talked to my group and they're like, yeah, that's fine. Go. <laughs> so I said, that's awesome. <laughs> I think it's really important. Even if you do like something, try something else because you don't really know if you're going to like another thing unless you've actually tried it. Absolutely. I agree. And I had been wanting to try this group for a little while. Okay. We're going to back it up a little bit. You mentioned that you loved space. We also love space, very obviously. What got you interested in space? So my dad, his family used to travel to, they're from Ohio, but they used to travel to Florida because my grandpa loves space. And so... (laughs) He saw the Apollo 11 launch. Like he was in Florida. Like that was something that my grandpa was like, we are going to Florida. We're going to see this. This is going to be historic. This is cool. He saw a bunch of Saturn V launches. I remember when I was young, we went to Florida. My brother played baseball. So we would go to Florida for his spring training baseball camps in high school. It wasn't like 
He didn't play professionally <laughs> or anything. So I was a kid. I got to tag along. I was like, yeah, let's go on vacation, whatever. And so I was there with my mom and my dad and my twin sister and my brother. And we get all the way to the Kennedy Space Center. I'm like shaking. I'm so excited. Aww. Like we get there, we see the giant meatball. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. Yeah. It's like a pool and then like the giant yeah. meatball. And we get there. And again, I don't know how long it's been since you've been there, but tickets were like $35 a person. They are outrageous. Yeah. And all the other NASA centers are the same way. The one in Huntsville is also the same way. Like, it's fine. They got to make their money. I'm cool with it. I'd go anyway. It's fine. But at that time, again, <laughs> pretty poor. We grew poor. We didn't get to go. And then I cried uh, the whole way back to Cocoa Beach. It was so sad. And uh, I will never forget that. And I was like, I'm going to go. I'll get to do this someday. And I did. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> that was the first time I really remember being like, I love space. Like, this is so cool. Reading about people like Poppy Northcutt. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but she was the first woman to be on console in the Apollo oh, wow. missions. And she follows me on Twitter and I cried. It was That's amazing. That's she's cool. awesome. She's super active on Twitter, which is super fun. Like just people like that and like seeing how they still are interacting. And I've met quite a few astronauts and they're also the nicest people. And like meeting people like that, you know, Homer Hickam, because he lives here too. And <laughs> we love Homer, Hickam. Homer Hickam is so nice. He's so sweet. Oh, I have his autograph. That's awesome. He lives here in Huntsville. He comes to the he comes to the Space and Rocket Center all the time. He has his own parking spot. And he is just so nice. Anyway, back to my point. But every like person that I'd ever met any had any association to do with NASA. And like this was all after I had already had my internship because there's no way I met any of these people in my tiny little town. They were all so down to earth. But <laughs> They are just so sweet and so nice. And I met late Al Warden. He was a Apollo 15 astronaut. And um, I was like, <laughs> I'm Susan. Uh, can I get a picture with you? And he was like, yeah. And he was like, he literally went, you know who I am? And I was like, oh, yes, of course I know who you are. Oh, my God. And he was like, do you work at NASA? And I was like, yeah, I do, because I had my badge. And he was like, it is so great to see young women engineers working Aww. at NASA. I cried. I felt so bad because he was like so kind, like taking his picture with us. And I'm like, okay, okay, take the picture. Like, cause he was just, he was so nice. And I just didn't expect something like that from him. He was just like, it is so great to see that we have young women like you working at NASA. And I was like, this is it. I could die now. I'm fine. That's amazing. That's so nice. Was awesome. I was devastated when I heard that he passed away. Aww. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then what led you to want to be an engineer? Um, again, my dad, um, he is a mechanic and my, he really has the mind of an engineer. And when he went to college, he, he has a degree in business um, and he really wanted to be an engineer. But at that point in his life, he was like, oh, college is hard. Like, I don't want to do it. He had actually gotten talked out of doing a technical degree by one of his cousins that was like, oh, it's really hard. And then he got scared. Um, but I think that he really is an engineer in his heart, not by degree, but in his heart. And then uh, my grandpa on my mom's side, also an engineer by trade, not a degree, but also in his heart and definitely his mind. So there's been a lot of influence and in engineering in my life, which I didn't realize until I was a little older. And uh, my dad, he, so like I said, he's a mechanic and he has always ingrained in my twin sister and I that no, as a woman, you have to know how to change your oil, change your tires, fix a flat, you know, anything else that could go wrong. I have blood brakes. I've cleaned engines. I have changed flat tires on the side of the road. He really just made sure that my sister, my twin and I were just really equipped for that kind of situation, which led him being like, okay, so how would you fix this problem? How would you come across this solution? And really set up the engineering mindset for both of us, because we both are engineers. And um, it led us to be like, oh, well, if I can fix this, then maybe I can fix this. Or if I think this through this way, then this is how I'm going to solve this in this instance. And it kind of led us to you know, thinking in that way. And then we're like, hey, maybe we should do <laughs> engineering. But funny enough, I was homeschooled until college. 
I never stepped foot in a public school until my freshman year of college and I cried in the parking lot. I was so scared. I was so scared because I was like, I've only ever learned just me, my mom and my sister because that was, she was homeschooling us. And I was really scared that I wasn't going to be able to learn in a public setting, which is now that I think about it is super dumb, but like it was something I never experienced before. And I was scared to death. And I did not do so hot in math in high school. I actually failed geometry. Fun fact. I had to take it twice, um, which was no fault of my mother's. It was completely my own. (laughs) Like that was not hard. There's a lot of of theorems and rules that you have to memorize. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. But when I had taken, I started taking college algebra my very first semester of college. Um, Cause that was the math level I was at. Like I barely had gotten a high enough score on the ACT that I didn't have to take a remedial math class. Like, and I was like, I'm going to be doing engineering. Like, am I out of my ever loving mind? And I had gotten an excellent professor, like an excellent, excellent professor. And I got a hundred percent in that class. Like, and then Woo. I went straight to, I took trig and calculus at the same time the next semester that was rough. Um, and then I took calc two and then I took calc three and differential equations at the same time too. So I could get all of my math in those four semesters at my community oh, wow. college. I took six math classes in four semesters of my community college. That's and impressive. It, was, it was well worth it. But by the time I was done, I was like, Hey, like engineering is what I'm going to do. And then, you know, went into the whole thing where I took the internship and wasn't sure if I was going to be able to finish college. And it's been a journey. Wow. <laughs> interesting a story. Journey. Right. Wow. I actually really like your, what you mentioned there. Cause I think whenever I um, talk to students or anything, I always try to mention to be like, please do not be scared of engineering. Like college is a lot of work, but at the same point, when you're doing engineering, you're going to be doing things that could uh, impact people's safety. So I think it yeah. should be kind of a lot of work and you're going to learn a lot, but you can do this. Like, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And like, also Sue said like she failed, but she came out of it, you know, like she yeah. rose up to the challenge and exactly uh, yeah fought through so engineering is rough and failure is normal people don't talk yes. about it people usually hide people it. don't people talk about, about that I wish they would yeah oh my exactly. god if so anybody out there if you are yeah. in high school or college and people are like talking about their test scores or like I didn't study at all and I got a hundred do not listen to them do just not walk away you just walk away they don't matter yeah. how they do does not affect you I am saying this because I'm also talking to past me so it's a lot easier for me to say this than it is me completely too. me yes. too oh my god I was the about them. Worst of being like what did you get on this what did you get on this because I yeah. needed that reassurance even though I knew I was wrong I needed that reassurance because I was like well if they did that maybe Maybe that's yeah, okay. I'm like, not if, an if idiot. That, it's I'm, not me. I'm not yeah. an idiot. I my I had mentioned earlier that I took a semester off to do my co-op, not because I was required to, but because I needed to. Like I felt like I needed to. And the reason that I needed to was that semester I had. So I did my four semesters at my community college. I got one B. I did all that calculus. I got one B, and it wasn't even in calculus. It was in my first freshman, like very first history class. I got a B, and I got oh, A's yeah. in a physics, Amazing. calculus. Right. I get to my university. I get my first C my second semester and I'm devastated. Uh-huh. And then my third semester, I get one B, three C's and a D. Oh no. And I I looked at my mom and I said, I am going to Huntsville for this next semester because if I don't go to Huntsville, I am going to quit engineering. But bless her heart, she's so sweet about it. She was like, Honey, just do whatever you want. And I was like, Thank you so much. Like I thought she was gonna be like, no, finish your call, like finish school, whatever. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Like it was literally just like, okay, I can't believe that's what you said, but okay, let's do this. And then I like arranged for me to take the semester off. And then also it's not there's nothing bad with asking for help. Like getting mm-hmm. tutoring, going and asking your friends to teach you a concept. Like there's nothing wrong with leaning on other resources and other people to get the help that you need to get through a class or a problem or anything really my my biggest issue with that was I was always the person that people came to to ask for help so when I got a B three C's and a D that like that hit me hard because the other people that I was in the class with like they also got those grades but 
but they weren't me. Right. Like I expected like, yeah, it was a horrible class. Like honestly, one of the worst classes I've ever taken, but I, I expected better of myself, even though we were all struggling in the same manner. And I, I, it was like, I would consider myself a pretty confident person, but that was like an ego hit, like real bad. And um, so I had mentioned earlier that I took that internship thinking that I might not be able to finish college. So I had taken this last semester and summer off with two semesters left of college, my entire senior year left. um, And I was put on academic probation at NASA. And I was like, I'm going to do these last two semesters because I don't think I'm going to get the job. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Wow. What a story. Yeah, I know. Right. I've been, it's been like ups and downs all over the place. Um, but I had actually spent that entire spring and summer with one of my coworkers who also struggled a lot in college. And he was like, Hey, and he was like, Hey, I see you're struggling. He's like, don't take this wrong. Like, but I struggled a lot too. And here are some study methods that I use to help me. And it changed my life. My last semester, I got, all A's and like two B's. That's wonderful. And it brought my GPA up to a 3.2. So I graduated and was allowed to keep my job. That's Yay, that's Heck awesome. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to that guy. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, he's the best. All right. So for this last question, we're going to do a bit of a pivot here from the engineering questions. So Anne and I, as you know, work on researching episode topics while also being full-time engineers and then using various platforms to promote our episodes. And you run a STEM science communication and lifestyle uh, Insta account, as well as other social media accounts. So do you have any tips for us and also any of our listeners who are trying to do outreach um, and are also trying to get into science communication through social media? Like, do you have any tips on how to grow social media or how to get into it? I actually started my science Instagram in October of 2020. So before I started that, uh, my Instagram account was nail art ooh la la from ooh. 2014. Well, 2011 is when I started it. So my Instagram account is actually 10 years old, and all of my following all, is, is from my nail days. Um, it was it was one of the biggest nail Instagrams when the nail nail community was really really big, and I loved it. But when I got into college, I was like. I, I can't, I don't even have time to paint my nails anymore, much less do designs and stuff on them. Now I do them more now that I, you know, work <laughs> full time. I was about to say, did than, you paint your nails? Yeah. I, I assumed they were fake. I, they, they are poly gel. So, um, they are fake, uh, but they're not like acrylics, but yeah, these they look are so mine. pretty. Thank you. I, was so seeing them I you talk. can't see because we're actually sharing video. Um, Sue's nails are this, they're long and beautiful and they have gold and blue. <laughs> These are actually for uh, the Nashville game. They're gold and blue. <laughs> so, oh um, yeah. Um, so I do them a lot now because I've gotten back into it. Um, but even then I didn't really want to maintain a nail art account in the way that it used to be because the nail art community kind of died on Instagram. Um, so I had talked to my, some of my other nail friends that I'm still friends with and they're like, girl, you just do what you want. Like, I was like, I really think that like a science communication Instagram for me would be a solid move. Like, Honestly, I'm super new to SciComm. Like, I'm really new to SciComm. So I'm also learning. <laughs> um, as far as, like, growing your following goes, I, when I was a big account on Instagram, like, those days are long gone. We didn't have stories. We didn't have videos. We didn't have nothing on there. So um, I'm still also learning about that one as well. Um, I've heard that if you post reels, that's good. That's good. So I've been trying to make more relatable reels and I really and I really wanted to like incorporate the fashion aspect like what I felt like made me uniquely relatable to other women in STEM that might also struggle with feeling that they have to wear power suits every day or like they can't wear something with colors or they can't wear something cute because they're going to be not taken seriously which is like a big problem Yes, me, it is. I, yes, absolutely. I have experienced this yep. in my own life, in my own career. And I want to make sure that those girls that maybe think they don't belong in engineering, like I didn't, 
feel like I belonged in engineering because they dressed a certain way or they felt maybe not so technical as the boys or whatever, whatever the way that they feel about it. And they still want to genuinely show themselves on Instagram. Like I wanted to make sure that there is a space for that. So that's, that was the whole motivation behind my SciComm Instagram. And I don't really do a whole lot of SciComm personally. We like your Instagram. Um, we recommend you check you. it out. I really appreciate it. But as far as like making content goes, I'm still figuring that one out myself. I think that, um, uh, drafts are my best friend but I mean today I was like uh, I don't have anything to post like the rest of the week so I literally just like changed my outfit twice and took some pictures and I was like all right let's we're good let's call it a day <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> sometimes it's just on the fly whenever I make reels I like batch them though because I it takes me so long to come up so... with any ideas for reels so I'm just like I do my audios and then I'm like okay Let's memorize what this says so I can make a reel real quick. <laughs> All right. So you already mentioned where you can find you. We already mentioned where people can find you on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, at Astra Sue on Instagram. I do have a TikTok, but I never use it. So I don't usually mention it. But at Astra Sue is really like my only where account. Find you. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Hannah, do you want to tell people where they can find us? All right. So if you like this episode or if you have any other episode ideas or have just general feedback for us, check out our website, www.butitisrocketscience.com. We have a contact us page that you can send us a message, send us a message through. Uh, you can also find us on our Instagram at but it is rocket science. You can find us on our Twitter at but it is RS and you can find us on our Facebook page at but it is rocket science. Yes. And then shameless plug again, we have merch. Yes. You can find it on our website if you go to shop at the top. And we currently only ship to the U.S. and Canada. If we get interest from other countries, please shoot us a message and we can see if we can open it up. We currently have free shipping to the U.S. You can find some cool mugs, tote bags, t-shirts, tanks. And if you have any other items that you'd like to see with our But It Is Rocket Science logo, just shoot us a message. All right. So we're going to close it out. Until next time, Space Cadets. T-minus three, two... One, One liftoff. Off.